Knives Out is the latest film from director Ryan Johnson, but is this modern day whodunit more or less controversial than The Last Jedi? I'm Mike. I'm Dan. And this is Popscorn. And today we're talking about Knives Out. Ryan Johnson is a director. That's that sentence. Famous for his Star Wars movies. <laughs> that is one of my new favourite gags. Ever. <laughs> We've got a lot of long running gags, but whenever Ryan Johnson does a film, it's now his thing. This is my mystery movie. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, he, poor God. I mean, we. I was excited for him being in charge of Last Jedi because I did, I didn't love Looper, but I was like, at least interesting. He'll bring something, yeah, new to the table. And he brought several new things to the table. They were shit. <laughs> None of which were good. No. This is the problem. Is that? I, and I gave Ryan Johnson the benefit of the doubt going into Knives Out. I'm like, you know what? Maybe he's better when he hasn't got to play with somebody else's toys. Yeah, I imagine it requires a certain type of person to be in charge of a Star Wars movie. Yeah. I mean, we know this because they're dropping directors left and right. I mean, Benioff and Weiss are now off. That's gone. Um, So I'm real glad that they rushed the end of fucking Game of Thrones to get to this. So that's good. Um, So they're off. We don't know who's... Chris Lord and Phil Miller couldn't be part of this Star Wars thing. And now they've had to rope in Kevin Feige, the guy who heralded, you know, the highest grossing yeah. movie franchise of all time. Mm-hmm. So, huh. Well, it, I mean, even even this one, Rise of Skywalker, was meant to be Colin tomorrow. And yeah, then they, they couldn't they, keep hold of him. They bumped him off as well. So maybe that was what it was. But uh, again, the way he get, went about the controversy did not help him. No. Ryan Johnson has a Ryan Johnson problem in that he's Ryan Johnson. Yes, he does. And he thinks he is right. He does. And Very right. Uh, he's not. So I, I, I wanted to give this film the full benefit of the doubt. I was going to go into this one and I go, you know what? Maybe it's the franchise problem. Give him a movie that is entirely his idea, entirely his own characters, entirely his own script. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a better version of events. Yes. It's the fucking same problem with The Last Jedi. I fucking detest this film. I really hate this film. I want to make my mystery movie. Make a fucking mystery movie if you want, Ryan. What you don't do is make a third of a fucking mystery movie, flip the script, and make the we've explained the mystery movie, now let's make a fucking... Caper. Caper thriller nonsense. And... You fucking flip the script again because it's my missionary movie. And then we're going to go back to the original who done it, and no one's satisfied. Can you tell I don't like this, Darren? I liked it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. None of the problems with this movie are with the cast. Let's talk about them first. Okay, so this was... Now, thankfully, because it's such a, a tight-knit story, there wasn't much need for extras or a very big cast. No. Nope. But it's not goddamn cheap. 
No, that's it where is most not. of the budget because it's it's essentially they, most of it is set in one house. So the plot is um, a mystery writer by the name of uh, Harlan Thornby. Thornby. Thromby, even sorry, it's a weird name. Um, it is um, is uh, murdered, and this is about the investigation into how it happened. So he's found by uh, his housekeeper uh, in his bedroom with his float throat slit. They initially rule it as a suicide, but due to interference from a character we're going to mention in a minute, they reopen the case uh, after the funeral to try and find out um, if it really was a suicide. Yeah. And they um, basically lock his extended family in this one house. So for the most part, up until about two thirds away through the movie. It's only really set in this one like country manor estate. And that house is real. That's not a set. Right, okay. And that's a cool fucking house. Like, obviously yeah. they've had to dress it differently, but the the twists and turns of all the different stairwells and the really weird offset rooms with yeah. massive fireplaces in, that's a real location. I really like that location. That is a yeah. that is a character in of itself, the it house. Is. So that's probably where the budget was saved because they had to spend a lot to get these people. So, oh boy! Um, all right, should we talk about Daniel Craig first? Daniel Craig doing what can only be described as what would happen if Joe Bang went through Pokemon Evolution. Yeah, basically. What if he upped his intelligence? It'd be all good. Um, yes, yeah, so Daniel Craig is playing Benoit Blanc, who's not French. No, I think he's meant to be Cajun. But it's more of just a general deep safe, yeah, like Colonel Sanders Foghorn Leghorn type of accent that yeah. it is Gambit. So that's fine. But yeah, Benoit Blanc. Um, and the second you hear that name, you know this is not a serious movie. No, this so is very much aiming for a more comedic tone than anything it is. else. And I appreciate that quite a lot. But so he's a larger than life. Basically, he's, they even like make reference to him basically being. Cajun Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Um, they're not even subtle about it. So he's um, your kind of quirky. He's your um, Captain Jack Sparrow of the situation. He's the most interesting person in this movie. Yeah. Um, but he's not really the protagonist. No, he's not a Poirot. He's, no. He's playing second fiddle to a lot of people. He is. And that's what's weird about this casting decision. Is why get Daniel Craig if this is what you're doing with him? But I must say... I really enjoyed him. I did like him. Do you know what the thing? The thing that really annoys me is that Daniel Craig is I like him whenever he's not playing James Bond. Yeah, and we've got to have one of those next year. That's fun. We have, we have. God damn it! Um, I, I really don't like his James. Daniel Craig is not James Bond in my head. No, that's, yeah, but that's because it's always been Pierce Brosnan in your head. But not even that. But I mean, like he's not. When I think of James Bond. Even if it's like a, like a faceless like archetype of a character, Daniel Craig doesn't really fit it in my head. No, it's whenever like Joe Bang in um, in Logan Lucky, and now this, I'm like, I just prefer him when he's just mainly being American. But I just, just prefer doing him weird when, shit. Yeah, yeah, I prefer him in every single other opportunity. It feels like he has more fun. Yeah, it does not feel like he, especially like Skyfall was great, but I mean Spectre. He wasn't having fun. No he's one was dead, having fun. No, he's dead behind the eyes in this. Whereas this, he's so much fun. Yeah. And it's so much fun just watching him like work things out and, and kind of he just talks aloud a lot and he's the reason why they reopened the case because he's introduced as the last gentleman detective. He gets to flex a lot of his like acting muscles that don't he get does. used in Bond. Because in Bond, he's witty, but he's not funny. No. He's full on. He's the least funny of the Bonds because he's so stoic all the fucking time. Yeah. Whereas here he's just he's chewing scenery, uh, but it's a it's the type of movie where that doesn't stand out. No, because there's a lot of other people chewing scenery. Yeah. So it's all so, good. So it's crafted to kind of suit that type of thing. So 
I really liked him. And I think... I'll save that point for the end, actually. There's uh, somebody about Benoit Blanc that I really, really like, but I'll save that for the end. Um, but he's not the protagonist. He's not. That is played by Anna de... Oh, her last name's cut off. Um, <laughs> Uno Momento. Um, they're played... The main character is the, uh, the Anna nurse. Anna de Armas. There we go. Who plays um, uh, Marta Cabrera. So she's... Well, you don't actually know where she's from because they keep giving different accounts of... She's either Puerto Rican... Colombian. Um, Colombian, Brazilian, South American, basically, is what you're reading into this. Um, and she was the nurse for Harlan um, Thromby. Um, and she's the the main character you're following this. Yeah. For reasons we have to give away in spoilers. Um, but that's, that's spoiled relatively early into the movie. But she's the main character. Um, now, her big quirk... Yeah. Really stands out. Does a bit. And, and this is what kind of... It takes it away from being a modern day who done it, and it becomes Cluedo. Oh, I mean like her character trait of if she tries to lie, she throws up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, okay, good. That's what I'm on about. Yeah, it, that that makes it like almost slapstick. Like, yeah, I it's, just it's yeah. yeah, it's I. It felt like that was the wrong for all the quirks in this movie, and there's a lot of them. That's the one I was a bit like. Didn't need that. I thought Ryan Johnson was above a gross out gag. Mm. I really did. But then you think about the milk in Last Jedi and maybe yeah. he's not. So, huh. I did find the payoff funny, admittedly. It's, yeah. I don't like to admit to that and I, I feel gross about it, but I did chuckle at the payoff, for, the ultimate payoff for this at the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, so that's that's her deal. And she's just basically like the sweet, innocent person amongst all these like sharks in the extended Thromby family that are out to kind of, you know... They have reasons why you would suspect they might be the one that bumped him off. Um, and yeah, they, they are played by an all-star cast. Yeah. My God. So, to, just to go back to Anna de... Anna de Armas. I think she did very well. Yeah, I, I think you, you're with her throughout... Well, by design, you're with her throughout the yeah. entire journey. But, but you but, like her as well. She's fairly likeable. Yeah. I wouldn't say that she's my favourite character in this no. story by far. I don't think she's, not, she's not given the, the, the rope to do that, though. No, she's not. She's not. She's, she's certainly not given enough in the material. No. Until the middle bit, yeah. which is where you get the most time and to explore what that character does. And it still feels quite limited. Mm. And I think that is an issue. But because of the way that the film flips the script none of its ideas are ever seen through to fruition. Right. And that's a major problem. And okay. that's what makes a lot of this just clunk. It doesn't have satisfying payoffs. Okay. But we'll get to those. All right. Let's run down the rest of them. So um, some of the chief suspects are Linda Drysden, who... Um, Drysdale. Is, Drysdale, sorry. Yeah. Um, played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Who's who great. Is, yep. He's Harlan Thornby's oldest daughter. Uh, an only daughter, sorry. Um, yep, she's great. I... Jamie Lee Curtis seemed to have aged rather rapidly overnight. Mm. I was like, I, I didn't re- initially realise it was her. I mean, she's got a very distinctive look. I don't know how it was, but I think she was that old. I was like, oh, <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, God, okay, yeah. What happened to you? Yeah, I mean, she still looks good. I mean, yeah. she's not in her 60s and stuff, but she's fine. Yeah, she's like the stone-faced businesswoman. Mm. There's a bit of a Trump analogy in there that she's like, I'm a self-made woman. I made my company. And yeah, yeah. then it's revealed later, like... That- Harlan gave her a million dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah, she she built her own company off her own back thanks to a million dollar pay, million dollar loan from her yeah. um, from a very rich um, father. Um, yep, she was great. I think Michael Shannon as um, 
Walt. As Walt Thromby uh, was great as well. For very different reasons. I, I appreciated the uh, the sort of the emasculated man yeah. that he was. He very much was the second fiddle to pretty much everybody in yeah. his life. Michael Shannon's a really good actor. Yeah. Because all the roles he plays are very different, but they're all unmistakably Michael Shannon. Yeah. It's weird, right? Yeah. That there's, he's just got this presence about him that's always a bit off-putting, and in a good way, like by design, that you're always a bit like, mm. Mm. But I mean, you look at him as the drug dealer in The Night Before, General Zod, and there's the, the smartest man in the room in um, The Shape, Shape of, of Water, water yeah. the only man thinking in that movie, <laughs> and then Walt Thromby. They're all four very different characters, mm. but they're all like... They're all nicely off-putting in a, like a good way. They all have that element of repulsion, I guess. With, with that, the like you, you, you get your hackles up. You're a bit like mm. it's jarring, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, he's but in he's different ways. Great, isn't he's he? all out evil as General Zod. Yeah, he's. I think he's the hero of Shape of Water, but still. <laughs> but then the drug dealer guy is still a bit like mm, he's a bit weird. Yeah. but it's in a, in a comedy, and same here. He's like the brow-beaten. Son that everyone thinks he's like he's kind of only got here because of who his dad is. Yeah. He's the uh, Callum best of the situation. <laughs> um, uh, and his, his whole stick is that he manages like the IP rights of yes. Thromby's books. Yes, which is cool because he wants to sell it to Netflix. Yeah, and he and his dad's fact, not having it. No, but someone like someone up and says, "Well, he's built a company because twice a year his dad hands him a book and then he sells a book to the fans." Yeah, like that's all he does. Um, so then you've got like, their extended family. Um, so Jamie Lee Curtis is married to Don Johnson, uh, Richard Drys- Drysden? It was Drysdale. Drysdale. Drysdale, sorry. What's Don Johnson been in? Was he, is he Miami Vice? Oh, let me double Don check. Don Johnson is. I'll double check that. Um, but he's like your Republican in this situation. He was in Miami Vice, you were right, uh, Django Chain Machete, um, he's in the Watchmen TV series. I haven't watched that yet. I've only seen one episode. It's weird. Uh, what the bloody hell else has he been in? A lot of weird stuff. I think those are the big ones. Right. So um, he's your Trump supporter. Um, I'll it, get it, to that scene later because I want to talk about that one. Um, oh, yeah, me yeah. too. But they've got a son. Played yeah. by the most handsome man in the world. That is the official opinion of the um, Fair Entertainment Podcast. Not yeah, you know, I'm okay with that. Uh, it's Captain America himself. It's Chris Evans playing... Yeah. America's ass. It's America's ass. <laughs> He's playing Ransom Drysdale. Weird name. It's his middle name. He's actually called Hugh. Mm. Um, but yeah, his middle name is Ransom. Uh, and he's like the dickhead black sheep of the family. Mm. And after seeing Chris Evans play the most wholesome man in the world for the last 10 years, it was nice to see him go back to type of being the human torch. Yeah. He's going back to Lucas Lee. And I appreciate that. He is. That. He is. Um, and that was probably the best bit in the trailer. was just the eat shit, eat shit. Definitely mm. eat shit. <laughs> I enjoyed that a lot. He's so fun in this. I'm so glad he like he's not been typecast of just. Uh, well, to be fair, he's rich enough to avoid being typecast. You know yeah. what I mean? He can pick and choose what he does. He was Captain America for ten years. He's he's got all the fucking money. Yeah. I mean, he's not RGD, RDJ rich, but he's fucking close. He's got to be the second best paid person in all of Marvel. Sure, so right. He's doing well for himself. So he had the best story. So now he can pick the 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 um, the parts he wants. He's not been cast as like you know strong jaw leading white man like Chris um, Hemsworth has been. Yeah, and this means he gets to play roles like this, and he was awesome in this. I think Daniel Craig was my favourite of all the characters, but he was a close second of just being 
Such an entitled arsehole. Yeah. His characterization's really good, and then it shits the bed at the end, which I really don't, which we'll talk about. Yeah, it does rather jump off a cliff at the end, but uh, there we go. Um, so then the, um, on the other side, so uh, Michael Shannon is married to um, Ricky, you want to film Ricky Lindholm. That's it, who plays his wife, Donna Thromby. Um, they have a son who's played by Jaden Martell, who's um, the main kid from It. That's who I cast as my Sam Alexander Nova. That's the one. Uh, he's playing Jacob Bromby, who is an alt-right... Twitter troll. Basically, basically a Nazi. Yeah. This is just so that he can be set up in direct um, opposition to Meg Thromby, who's um, Harlan Thromby's... Uh, not niece. Uh, granddaughter. Yep. Um, played by Catherine. Catherine Langford. It's the only problem yeah. with IMDb, I've just got first names. Yep. Uh, that is, she's from Thirteen Reasons Why. Yep. Her, she was originally playing the grown-up version of Morgan Stark until that scene got cut from Endgame. Ah, right. Okay. Um, and she is your strong white, you know, strong woman from South Park. She's literally doing a feminism degree. Yes. University. That's what she does. So those two are just written to be like real paper thin. Mm. She's, you know, yeah, yeah. She's ultra feminist. He's ultra right wing. I've got opinions about these characters that we will get to later on. Lovely. I their performance. Everyone's performances are fine. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Jada Martel's. I I think Jada Martel is one to watch. Um, mm-hmm. He was in it. He's less so in this. He doesn't have much to Pretty do. In limited this. in this. He doesn't very limited. limited. Catherine Langford is good. I like Catherine Langford. Ricky Lindholm's a weird pick because she's from Garfunkel and Oates. It's weird to see her in like. And they aged her up a lot. They did. Yeah. She's, she does not look that old. In Good God, no. That is weird. Um, I thought that was her, but I was like, no, she, she looks too old in this. But yeah. no, anyway. On the other side, you've got Catherine Langford's mum being played by Tony Collette, mm-hmm. who, if anyone looks aged, yeah. it's Tony Collette. Yeah. Um, and she's playing Joni Thromby, who was married to one of Harlan's sons until he died. Yes. So that's all the family. So those are all the people that have been investigated by... Um... Oh, and Harlan is played by Christopher Plummer. Sorry, yes. Um, when you mentioned that. Um, so that was far more than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, right. It, it, there's a lot of flashbacks going on, obviously, yeah. with any mystery one that tends to be. So those are all the people who are suspects. Those are the ones that uh, Daniel Craig and the police are kind of interrogating and, and, and trying to figure out. Um, I don't know what more we can say without spoilers, but you have a lot more problems with this. So I'll just say, in general... I liked it. I, I liked the way the story played out. I actually enjoyed the twist in this one. I felt it, that there's bits where it wobbles a little bit, but I, as a whole, kind of liked it. But yeah, the floor is yours, Michael. Oh, boy. Right, okay. We're not going spoilers, are we? Are we, are we doing a... Uh, no, keep it as spoiler-free as you can. Right, okay. So the setup of the movie is three movies and that's an issue it, it decides right. it wants to flip the script twice it's not just one twist it's two twists yeah that's where it all falls apart if it wanted to flip the script and be a different movie halfway through yep that's great commit to that don't then flip flop and trade off ideas because it makes sense to you to me it's the reverse problem that la la land had is that it starts out going, remember watching Poirot on the TV? Yeah. Remember those whodunit movies that nobody makes anymore? Outside of the fact that they are still being made by... Um, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. 
Uh, yeah, we got we got um, Death on the Niles next year. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I still haven't watched Murder on the Orient Express. I think I'm watching it over Christmas. It's, it's fine. Movies. It's okay. okay. It's pretty. The, the, there's a weird action scene they give to Poirot at the start of that film. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, but I don't need to see Poirot frame punches. <laughs> yeah, it's real odd. I'm not going to lie okay. to you. Um, but it apes that to begin with, and then it does the thing that Ryan Johnson did in the Last Jedi. Where it's like, we'll start out doing the thing you know, mm. we'll then make my movie, and then go back to doing the thing right. you know, okay. like that's an excuse. Yeah. And the first third of the film, I think is fantastic, because mm. the way that they they lay it all out, and they have the flashbacks, and it's, yeah. it's proper like interrogation, and it's... You see how different events are recorded and people trade places because yep. the lies begin and and the misremembering and you're never quite sure what events plug into each other. Yeah, yeah. And I thought this is how you get the because the way that you can sort of cheat write a mystery novel mm-hmm. is introduce so many characters you can't keep track of the mystery. Right. This feels like it has one too few characters to keep track of. Mm-hmm. So that when they do something with one of them, it feels so far fucking out the blue, it doesn't make any sense. Right. They don't have that problem in the first third because it's very straightforward. Here are your main mm-hmm. players. Here's the people you've got to keep track of, what their motivations are, what their version of events is, whether that's their version, yeah. what they're misremembering or whether they are tr- lying to Benoit Blanc and to everybody else, it then also wants to be the movie with a moral. Right. And murder mysteries don't have morals. Right. That's what the problem... Murder mystery is... It's a guessing game. It's it's literally a video game of a movie. It's get the question right. Right. But the movie is far too concerned with having a moral mm-hmm. and having its own political ideology I hate to say it about you know there's too much to go into without making it a spoiler thing I just want to say it has a message it wants to relay yes and it's dressed itself up in a fucking Cluedo costume yes as a way to do that and it is exactly the same problem that Last Jedi had Last Jedi was basically telling you that you're a fucking dumb nerd if you were interested in all the old lore yeah but then also simultaneously said, but please be invested in our law because, yeah, okay. because it's cooler and shinier and has a message. Right. Rather than just letting it be the fairy tale it should have been. Mm-hmm. It's the same problem with this. It should have just been a straightforward whodunit. Right. It chose not to be. Okay. And then expected to have a whodunit payoff at the end. Right. And that doesn't fucking work. So, you know, two things. I think, well, with the Star Wars thing, I think the problem that... The reason it didn't work with Star Wars and why I like this one, although they are doing relatively the same things of flipping scripts on on genre movies, is that he did it to fucking Star Wars. Yeah. I hold... That is a lot more precious to a lot more people. And because it's not a genre, it's a set franchise that he decided to do that, it has long-term ramifications you have to live with. You're, You're doing it to people, to characters that some people have had... For I mean, we've had Luke Skywalker our entire life. Some people have had him for like what 30, 40 years at this point. Yeah, crouching on fifty. Yeah, you're flipping the script on. You know, I'm going to keep saying that. You've put that in my goddamn head. Um, that they they changed that character up so radically that it felt jarring to even Mark fucking Hamill. Yeah, like, if he's te- if Luke Skywalker is telling you you're fucking up this time, just take heed. Yeah. So that's why I I 
hated it there with a burning passion what he did to that because it just it's just not the way to do that it's not the movie to take aim at people's relationship to their fan fiction and to their their pop culture by all means do that in parallel media do that in a sci-fi film yes. that is, that is that is essentially trying to be this ain't a Star Wars movie, yeah. sister. Right, like that's fine. It's like if, if um, oh my god, I've forgotten his name. Um, if Kingsman guy, Taron Egerton, no, the director Matthew Vaughan. If Matthew Vaughan really hated the tropes of the of spy movies and ergo hated the James Bond tropes, he went he went about addressing it by making Kingsman as a counterpoint. He didn't take a Bond movie change everything about what it means to be the Bond franchise and then go oh but you can carry it on there you go off yep. you, I, I, like, I've had my soapbox moment with the franchise and yeah. now I can let it go oh, fucking well done you you've left an indelible mark on history which is undeniable you made a Star Wars movie but you made everything worse yep. you didn't do it properly you'll be forever remembered as the one that the fans didn't like yeah, in the, and that's in an the, issue you may even think of yourself in your own head as like oh I'm the one who you know, I, I changed everything I made everyone wake up and think about this and I made them you know, forget about mystery boxes and I've really changed but ultimately Star Wars will revert revert back to what it was yeah. when everyone liked when JJ's brought back in to save the fucking sorry shit you left it in and then you're going to be remembered eventually by history as the guy who made the bad Star Wars movie. Yep. Which is saying something because the prequels exist. Exactly. So in doing it in a franchise that I have, it's not a franchise, doing it in a one-off movie. Yeah, it's a genre. So, so a genre yeah. that, you know, is, is, you know, neglected and no one, you are right, there are one or two still going. It's not, it's not been done since like the 20s or something, but it's more the domain of ITV4 on a Sunday afternoon than, yeah. it, is, than it is cinemas. By all means, do it there, and that's why I don't feel I had a problem with it. I actually enjoyed the um, inversion of stuff much more than I did when he did it to Star Wars. Um, and the second one was, I think, the the changing things up. I think it had to do because if it was just a straightforward who done it, I don't think as many people would come out uh, as as glowing praise as the critics have had for this just don't think it would have the staying power. I guess so. I don't think people were talking about it. If it was just a straightforward Miss Marple thing, again, that's the domain. There's a reason why that stuff is not on like BBC One Primetime. It's yeah. on ITV4 in the middle of a Sunday. I guess so. And you've kind of really got to be coming from a state of already enjoying stuff like costume dramas to enjoy yeah. those as a pure thing. But I yeah. already think going, you know, the clue the movie route mm. and taking the genre and adding comedy, that was enough. I yeah, think okay. that that's where they could have drawn the light and have a twist if you want a twist. Most of them have twists, but yeah. they're within genre. This was an out-of-genre twist in a genre movie. Clever on paper. Mm. What you actually get, though, is a movie that's confused about what it wants to be. And ultimately, what it boils down to is, once again, Ryan Johnson going, I want to make my version of this. Here is my version of this, whether you like it or not. But also, I'm also going to take all the tropes because I'm lazy. So that's fun. We really disagree on this movie. Yes. This is a rarity. I will say, it's not even in my top five worst movies of the year. So it's got that going for Good it. God, you must have seen some shit. I've seen some fucking wank, Darren. I'll tell you now, I'm considering it for a place in the top ten. Is that right? I'm I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I came out and I was like, I really... And okay, before we jump into spoilers, I think the one thing I want to say that is maybe like the most... Um, yeah, my biggest statement of intent with this and how much I liked it. Hmm. 
I sincerely hope this spins out into the Benoit Blanc franchise. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want this to be a one and done character for Daniel Craig. I think I, I don't need any of the other characters to return because that would just kind of ruin it. But if this becomes like a new Poirot, he had a lot of fun doing this, clearly. I mean, so much so that um, the, the, uh, that Marta has now been cast in Bond. She's yep. going to be in um, No Day to Die. Is that no it? Time to Die. No Time to Die, sorry. Um, so clearly he liked that. He, he looked to be having a lot more fun. It's a lot more free for him. I love this to become Ryan Johnson's franchise. The distraction from the Star Wars one he was having. Um, and he just makes Benoit Blanc movies. I'd be more than okay with that. I'm okay for that character to have a series put behind it. I do I do like the Benoit Blanc character and because because there's that element of kind of like a klutzness to him. Like yeah. he's brilliant, but also he makes a lot of dumb mistakes. Oh. He knows what's going on, but he makes a lot of mistakes. Just having a flawed character is infinitely more interesting than the perfect character. Yeah. Which is what we're gonna be talking about in spoilers. Okay, here we go. Spoiler wait before we go. I liked it. I would recommend that you go and watch this. I think there's nothing else I've watched this year that really that does this. Um, I I did genuinely really appreciate coming out and was like, well, like I said, this might even be in my top ten. But what I, even though I think I really fucking hate this film, it's not one of the worst I've seen of the year. Production design wise, if we're talking set and costume, it's fucking brilliant. It's good. The cast give standout performances. I would say still go and see it. Yeah. Much, not in exactly the same way, in the way I was saying, don't listen to anybody and go and see Joker. It's like, I want you to listen to me about why I hate the film. Yeah. But also, I think you would benefit from going to see it because then you can decide which camp you're in. Yes. Um, and obviously there are going to be people who are going to be shitheads online and hate the movie on principle. Yeah. Because Ryan ruined Star Wars and feminism ruins... All this fucking nonsense. All that fun. Because it's going to happen. Um, but I I really wanted to like it. I really thought this was going to be where Ryan Johnson proved that he's not just the contradiction machine that we saw in yep. Last Jedi. But he doubles down. I don't think that's tasteful. But it is still a very... Well, whoever the director of photography is did a fucking stellar job. It's yep. a beautiful looking movie. Maybe just as... Just for Daniel Craig. Tell you what, just for Daniel yep. Craig, go and see it. Spoiler alert! Okay, right. <laughs> Off we, you go. Okay, right. So, to start out with, where they lay it out flat, it's a case of suicide, and they start interviewing the family. Yes. Nito Burrito. I'm all right with that. You introduced Marta, who's your kind of window in, and she's got a reason. Well, they've all got reasons to be covering up what they've done, even Marta. Yeah. But Marta's thing that she's done is that her family are unregistered. Or her mommies. Her mom is an yep. unregistered immigrant. Mm-hmm. That's instantly a sympathetic place to come from. Yep. Is, however, also a cheap device in order to make you feel bad for her. It is. And they do not fucking let up this point for the entire fucking movie. They don't. There is a scene, we're going to talk about this now, where they just have everyone in the room Mm. basically go, isn't Trump bad? Like, by by way of having all these deplorable characters going, isn't Trump good? Yeah. And then they have the whole, he's an alt-right Nazi Twitter troll. But, you know, here's the... 
here's the feminist um, studying thing, and you know she's a little bit. She's the only one that made friends with the with the with the nurse, and she was forced into making a phone call that, that gave away information. Yay! We cheer for this. We disagree with this. Yeah. Is it obvious what I think? It's... Is it obvious that I don't like Trump? I'm fucking sick of this in films now. Can we? I, I, I want the Trump presidency to end as much as the next person, mainly so we don't have to have every fucking film be the we-don't-like-Trump film. Every fucking film is this. I'm getting sick and fucking tired of it. God, I'm glad we turned the game down on this microphone. Oh, my fucking Christ. Like, I will say this. You've got two, like, classes of characters in this. There's ones that are depthy, and then there's paper thin yeah. and there's no middle ground you've either got a lot going on or nothing other than the headline is yeah. going on like the kids in this movie are like I said feminist journalist versus alt-right Nazi yeah. and then even like Don Johnson and Tony Collette do not get more outside of Donald Trump supporter and Gwyneth Paltrow standing like yeah that that did make me laugh yeah. <laughs> that she's like she's launching a line of self care stuff Mainly because I just watched Jontron's video on the whole goop thing. Right. And that was fucking funny. Yeah. And that did rise a laugh out of me. So but it's, it's that scene where they've got the kids of, of Harlan Thromby all sitting round a table. They've all, they're in massive fucking chairs. Yeah. They've all got a drink on the go. Yeah. And they're all going, the fucking Trump's great and I hate immigrants. And but they, nah, don't, nah, nah, nah. they don't say his name. They don't. But they, they keep it in, but it's blatantly obvious who they're on the, about. There's only one person that could be on a You can't even call this an analogue because that implies that there's fucking peaks and tops. It's a digital for fucking Trump. It is. It's so annoying. It is. That scene, I I really did feel like, oh God, do we need another thought piece on this? Is there a thought to be had? We know you don't like him for God's sake. And I think that would, I'm I'm not even going to say that would be fine. That would be excusable were it not for the fact that by... Come hell or high water, you're going to feel sad for the girl who might get her mum deported. And also, she's literally the most honest person on the planet. Yeah. And also, she's literally the nicest person on the planet. She's yeah, she's basically Puerto Rican Pinocchio. She's yeah. incapable of lying. She can't lie. gives it away. very obvious when she does. And she's got a heart of fucking gold. Yeah. And it's, just, it's, it's too much of a sweetness. It's too much of a... The moral is be a nice person and you will literally become and a billionaire. There is no... like That is it. That is the end goal of this entire movie. It's just be good. Now, probably Rian Johnson shouting that to people who hate him for what he's so... This is like, what I'm thinking. Be nice to me. I'm a good person. Yeah. Um, and look at all these horrible people who like Trump. Yeah. That's probably you. Look at you. You're all these horrible people that will lose everything. But I and my nice people, we're going to be on top of Because I'm a pilot. Puerto Rican nurse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, that uh, hard done to yeah. section of society. So that is that whenever it's trying to make a point. I mean, there's nothing wrong inherently with the point of be good. Yeah. That's the underlying principle of every religion in the world. It just and also ET. So you know. <laughs> oh God! You know he's in the Sky adverts, right? Yeah. You know I'm definitely scared of ET. I know. I can't watch Sky anymore. No. I have to keep leaving the room, <laughs> and I don't mean like I excuse myself. I mean I sprint towards the nearest available door and then shut it so I don't have to hear the. <laughs> oh God! It's going to be a taxing Christmas. <laughs> um, 
anyway. tell you what, heck of a cardio workout. Oh, yeah, it's good. My, my, my cardiovascular is way up, but it, not, my heart's beating for the wrong reason. Anyway, um, yeah, so whenever they're trying to do more than just be what it sets out to be, which is, the, like you said, the who did it with the twist of, well, as I say now, that it, you are led to believe initially by the series of facts. Basically, everyone's given interviews, and that's where you get given their character sheet, basically. Yeah. Of like, this is what, um, uh, oh my God, I forgot their names. Um, that's, this is what Don Johnson's about. This is what um, Jamie Lee Curtis is about. This is yeah. what Chris Evans is about. This is their relationship to Christopher Plummer's character. This is how yeah. they perceive that relationship. Yeah. Here's the reality of the relationship presented in somebody else's story. Yeah. Start piecing it together. Plant the seed of why they could be the person to knock them off. And they get martyring and um, the, with the throwing up thing, they, she tells them what she can but it is then revealed, because it's basically led to believe, like, you know, she's basically the Virgin Mary, she can do no wrong, she can tell no lies, she literally can't, because you'll find out. You find out that, although it was an accident, she was his nurse, the the bottles of his medication got knocked over, and she thought she was giving him um, 100 grams of this, you know, whatever the, the medication is that he needs for whatever's wrong with him. She instead gives him 100 grams of morphine instead of three, because the bottles got mixed up. Yeah. So, and and then for some reason, and the movie starts breaking it down character by character why Harlan wants to disassociate from his own family. Yes. And it's very, it's very formulaic. And that is, it's disappointing that it's just, he, the guy's got to 88 or whatever he was and yes. he just realised his family are complete shitheads. It, it, yeah, it's it's convenient that he decided that this was the weekend he was going to tell his um tell John Johnson that he knows that he's cheating on his daughter um sorry John John, John Johnson is cheating on Jamie Lee Curtis yes and he's going to expose them all um he tells uh, Michael Shannon that he wants him to stop being the head of the publishing one which he explains as he wants Michael Shannon to go out and do it for himself and earn something that wasn't just something that's handed down from his father he's cutting um Chris Evans off because um basically similar reasons he's just a trust fund idiot um, and also Tony Collette's character has been double dipping yeah you, you're led to believe she leads Benoit Blanc to believe that she's taking money to pay for uh, Catherine Langford's tuition fees yep. she's actually asking the same fee twice and yep. just pocketing the change and so yeah he's going to cut off his entire family the only friend he has yep. is the nurse um, and he devises this great plan to basically fake his own death, fake, basically kill himself and say, look, you've got to do these exact things so that yes. you don't get caught because if you get caught, your family gets investigated, your mom gets deported. Yes. So, so it's all it's all a grand gesture to say well, you've been No, I will point out he figures out his master plan in 10 minutes flat whilst he thinks he's dying of morphine. Yep. And that's a bit of a jump. In the middle of a game of Go, he'd already got in his head, if I was going to die today, here's how I'd do it. Yeah. <laughs> if I was going to fake my own... No, yes. if I was going to fake my own suicide yeah. and also develop a cover-up yes. for this nurse. So he managed to devise a plan of, yeah, the cover-up is Marta has to drive out the house, take a left turn so she avoids cameras, come back to the house, run up the trellis... Um, Use the false window, which is actually a door, to yeah. get in. Close a door. Dress up like him. Walk downstairs to make uh, Michael Shannon think that he was wandering around and then to get a midnight snack and then go back to bed. Come down the stairs as loudly as possible as so to wake Jamie Lee Curtis up. 
to then leave no mystery as what happened, and then he slits his throat. Yeah. Because he's told, you know, with that dose of morphine, you have 10 minutes before your heart stops, basically. And there's no stopping you. Um, because you can't find the drug that would counteract it, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's a hell of a leap. Which you got to hope they never performed an autopsy, right? Yeah. Like, the you got to hope that was such an open and shut case that, he, that he'd slit his own throat that they wouldn't at least go, well, let's take... Do a toxicology yeah, report, let's take, yeah. Let's take, which is a big plot point later on in the film yeah. that is just brought up because, shit, we need a third act resolution. It is. So then the movie switches from a um, from the classic mystery setup to then a misdirection caper yep. of, of Martha desperately trying to put... Benoit Blanc off the scent of what's really happening with all the gags of just like the bit of trellis she broke the dog's running around with it in his <laughs> oh, mouth I did find just, that quite funny yeah. that the dog just keeps bringing back the same she's like shit and chucking <laughs> his fucking yeah. I kind of like that bit um, and then so then Frank Oz turns up for reasons the voice of Yoda turns up as the solicitor <laughs> with the will um, this is the point where Chris Evans turns back up because he missed the funeral um, and they it becomes real that um, uh, Harlan has left his entire fortune to Martha, Marta, the, the, the nurse. And this obviously then this is when everyone turns. This is when they, the titular knives come out. Ah, you see what they did there? And they yeah, they come out. They're all trying to get Martha in their own way. So some of them are just going straight to legal. Some of them are going straight to threats. Michael Shannon tries to be a bit more subtle about, you know, being like, well, you know, we know about your mum because we got told, so... Mm. Um, and, and the sharks start circling, including Chris Evans, who initially appears to be a bit of a friend, but we know he's a bit of an arsehole. So that's your bulk of the second act. Um, and then it is the final act where it kind of reverts back to being a mystery because you find out... Um, you don't find that until right at the end, do you? No. But the problem with that entire second act glut of it just being like you say this comedy of misdirection misdirection a caper a farce if you yeah is that the entire thing is predicated on the knowledge that that martin knew exactly what happened and that would have made an interesting back end of that film rather than a middle glut Mm -hmm. because then it would have been putting the pieces back together of the mystery to then literally deconstruct the mystery so that nobody knows what's going on. Yep. There would have been a lovely symmetry in that. Yeah. And it's ruined because it's just actually a one-note thing of, of Marta finding out new ways to lie that isn't a lie. Yeah. Like, s- say things that are true, but don't actually answer the question. Don't tell a lie, but we've hold truths, basically. Yeah. They get very nice. And it never leaves that Right up to a comedy car chase where, you know, she's getting away in a shitty yeah. beat up car, and st- still so, and and every gag feels like it needs to deflate itself. Yeah, it it can't be that she gets away in the car. Of course, it'd be well. Of course, they would get her. Yeah, of course that would happen. Of course, Benoit knew the entire fucking time. Yeah, nothing has impact because the entire setup is solved in the twist twist. Yeah. Of, I guess now we can right. say it. It was actually Chris Evans who did it. In the but... worst fucking way possible, they reintroduce a character, much like in crap um, whodunits, where like they go, it was this guy. Yeah. You're like, he was in it for two seconds. Yeah. Like, he lived three miles away. Like, that kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. They reintroduce the housekeeper character yeah. that discovered him 
and she's turned into a device in order to basically pin the whole plot, which isn't much of a plot, yeah. back on Ransom. So basically, Chris Evans finds out he's being wrote out the will and figures out that Marta is now the sole benefactor. And he's annoyed about that because he's a trust fund guy. So he devises a plan where he's going to frame Marta for murdering Harlan by switching the labels on the bottles so that she thinks the um, morphine is the good one and the good one is the morphine. However, it then transpires that when basically what happens is they're playing Go and, and Harlan flips the, as a joke, flips the checkerboard over. And that's when the mix-up comes. She thinks she picks up the bottle of, of the good one, but it's actually labelled as the morphine. But because she's a nurse, she knows just by feel that she's got the right one. Yeah. So as it transpires in the toxicology report that the housekeeper has, that he was actually fine. In the weed drawer, which is a plot point. Yeah. That there was nothing actually wrong with him. She hadn't injected him with the morphine. She'd no. actually done her job correctly. Um, now the way oh god this is going to get too complicated to even explain basically they uh, it eventually comes out that it was Chris Evans and he yeah, Chris he, Evans wanted to switch the bottles in order to kill Harlan off yes so that he could and this is where it doesn't make sense to me because if she was trying to frame oh yeah because of that whole plot of like if she killed him and he was in the inheritance she wouldn't get anything and yeah. the thing would stay the same but then that's flipped because she does her job properly. Yeah. Somehow he figures out that she's done her job properly. Yeah. Oh, no, so what happens is the, the housekeeper manages, because she knows someone who works at the blood place, manages to get a copy of the of the blood report, the toxicology report, and um, she susses out that it was, that the, the bottles have been switched, and she suspects that Chris Evans did it. She tries to blackmail him, Chris Evans turned up, she's woefully ill-prepared to try and fight Chris Evans, even though she's like a 30-year-old you know, woman and here comes Captain Goddamn America. So she doesn't bring a gun or a <laughs> knife or anything. No, she just brings a piece of paper. So um, Chris Evans chloroforms her, stabs her full of morphine, and then basically sets up a scenario where Marta finds her. Mm. And um, she thinks that she, he's the, she's the blackmailer. She goes into cardiac arrest because of the morphine. And Marta, instead of like running away chooses to try and save her life. The way this pays off in the finale is that they get a phone call from the um, from the hospital. Martha takes it and says, oh, right, okay, thank you, puts the phone down and says, Fran's alive, she's going to live. Chris Evans then goes, okay, yeah, you got me. I, you know, what they're going to do, charge me with attempted murder and some just a, a version of the justice. I've got the best lawyers in the world. I'm going to get off of it. You can't really. You'll be doing nothing to me. I'll be out in two years and I'll be back being rich kid. And this is, of course, the classic sort of, oh, then Martha just throws up on him and says, actually, the phone call was that she's died and you've just confessed to her murder. We've got you on tape. And that's the end. I liked it. I could see it coming because you can tell she's like, she's fighting back the throw up. But I think... The real problem with that twist and this story is that the reverence to which Harlan's death is treated mm-hmm. is not reflected in Fran's death. No. It is... Her death is literally a gotcha. And one of the lines that really stood out to me earlier on is when um, 
Jamie Lee Curtis is talking to Benoit Blanc and says, I read your profile, it was phenomenal. I buried my father today. And yeah. there's this whole... There's there's a sense of mourning hanging over the, yeah. the, the full thing, even though there's this game of cat and mouse, cloak and dagger going yeah. on. And then to use death as a gotcha yeah. at the end seems insincere. Someone still died. Two yeah. people have died that didn't need to die. And I yeah. know that, you know... You don't really care for many of the characters in a classic who'd done it. They're literally cannon fodder. Yeah. But here you flipped the script. Here you made it about, you know, a legacy and who is worthy to take inheritance and who is morally in the right. And I don't think somebody who uses the death of somebody else as a gotcha yeah. is inherently a good person. And this, and maybe that's the point by the end, the end shot of her on the balcony of the manor looking down on all the rich the, kids who yeah, yeah. chucked out and she's top of the pile but you're supposed to feel good because she got there and she earned it through kindness and yeah. heart by the end she's no better than them and I don't know whether that's the point no I don't I didn't read it as that I read it as I know that the that taking the death as, as flippantly as they did the second one the Hesketh but I the, 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 the closing line is from Benoit Blanc is that she won because she was a good person. Had she abandoned the housekeeper to die, the the evidence she'd already confessed. So Chris Evans had confessed for her to what she'd done. Mm. The evidence wouldn't have been available because they burned down the blood bank that had the evidence in it. They would have had no reason not to think that she was guilty. And then, and she herself thought she was guilty. So they would have had no reason not to put her in jail. They said the only reason she's still here is because she tried to save Fran's life and she called the ambulance, which allowed this series of events to happen that now means she's innocent, she's got the mansion. You can say that she should have reacted more to the death of her friend, but I I didn't find I didn't read it as well, is she is she one of them now? I read it as no, she she got to where she was because she was a good person. Fair enough. I, I just I think if you're gonna have that whole the the the, the everlasting dichotomy of good and evil yeah and you're saying this person is wholly good and this person is whole well this entire family is wholly evil yeah you can't then make her do something shitty and and as much as i would prefer things to be shades of gray and i really should appreciate that eh, she kind of did a shitty thing in order to show up an even shittier person yeah that's the kind of grimy shit i like but it's not what the film was doing no and the film can't even commit to doing that it has to have a gotcha. It has to. We have to go back to having a classic turn at the end, right? Which is a trope it doesn't earn because the middle of the movie sags so much in just this constant fucking practical farce. I guess I mean, it's 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 ah. <laughs> uh, I get frustrated thinking about what the film could have been, right? And it could have had a perfect symmetry, and it could have had this building up and tearing down of the mystery. If you wanted to say, I don't like who done it, let's make an anti who done it, do that. Don't then take cut out the bit of the who done it you don't like writing. Yeah. Which is the 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 finger of blame going like that yeah. to everybody. And just make a comedy thriller. So, so this is going to have to join the list of Kick-Ass 2 and Pacific Rim of movies we completely disagree on. Yeah, who knew? I mean, it's a short list, which is a testament to our good friendship. But yeah, I... Don't get me wrong. If you handed me this, this 
plot and said, right, is this a 2019 relatively high-budget movie or is it a plot from a 1970s Kojak? Which one is it? <laughs> I can't say with certainty I would know which one it was yeah. without looking at the cast list. So I give it that. It's not... Essentially, the setup of the plot... Because, I mean, that's, that's the thing of mystery. They're just open to plot twists yeah. at all, of all manners, you know? It doesn't matter if it then takes a, a whip into sci-fi or it goes to farce or it's whatever. I But I can't say... This is guttural. If I think in it... I have no desire to really watch it a second time. No. This is why I'm like, I prefer Benoit Blanc-focused sequels as opposed to watching it again. Yeah. I can't yeah. deny I came out of that cinema and was like... I enjoyed that. And I don't think I'd get anything from repeated watchings. Because no. because they quite clearly explained everything that was going on. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no worth in watching that again because it's mm. far too obvious because the twist comes too early. Yeah. There's no real reason to go back and watch it to see if you pick up on the little signs of the, of the movie telling you all along who it yeah. was. Because they hang too much on exactly what happened and who it was even when they're explaining it it was ransom Hugh did this that was yeah. fucking shit that was funny. and they really hammered that home they played yeah. that scene back like two or three times yeah. it's just oh, it, it would, oh. this film just really frustrated I me I can tell well, bless you babe it's okay it's okay it's all over now you ain't got to worry about it. It's going to be forgotten pretty fast. I might mention it in our wrap-up year one. The, but l- I, I, This ain't my Assassin's Creed moment. That's coming no. at the end of the year. Okay. But, Look, um, we've still got Star Wars and Jumanji that will potentially see this off as a, as a title challenger for a top 10 place. Yeah. So don't worry about it. I, I had a new entry into the top 10 recently as well. It's shot into the top five. Wow. Mm. Okie dokie. That's a little bit of a tease for the end of the it year. It is. Plug away, Michael. You can go and find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Mike Owen. You can go and follow Darren on Twitter and Instagram at the Guttridge. And you can go and follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook under Fowley and T. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. As well as on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, SoundCloud and anywhere else you can pick up RSS feeds under these names Fowley and T or Fowley and T Podcasts. We have just got finished recording our Pokemon Sword and Shield review. Oh it's also... Slash mini-review of Florida. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's an hour and a half doozy. Um, buckle in for that. But yeah, it gives their whole impressions on uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. So go listen to it. Got to cast them all on that. We are now gearing up. We are in the end game now. We are gearing up for Star Wars Episode 9 coming out in a few weeks. And then that's basically the end of the year. And yeah. we will be having our best of 2009 film podcast, potentially a best of 2019 everything else podcast. Potentially uh, a game one. Potentially a game I one. I've played a lot itself. of games this year. I've done I very did well. not by comparison, which is a bit annoying, but there we are. And then, of course, we have everyone's favourite, the 2020 preview podcast. First as of well. a new decade. It is. Oh. It is. Um, so, yes, we're sorry for the slight delay in getting out new material. Again, I was knackered fuckless from my two week holiday. <laughs> if you listen to the Pokemon podcast, you'll find you'll out. You'll realise just how tired I was. It's a hell of a story. It's a hell of a story. So, tune in for all that and more before the end of the year. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.